0: Well, good morning. Welcome to Rimrock Church. Such a beautiful day, isn't it? You know, it was just as we were praying in back here, I was thinking about, it was roughly two months ago when I was walking up on my yard and there were cracks opened up in the soil. It was so dry. And uh, I'm sure a lot, along with a lot of you, I started praying for rain. <laughs> i like, God, this is not good. Never seen this before, and God answered my prayers and your prayers. Now, uh, my wife and I drove to Bozeman last week, and uh, it was like Ireland all the way there. Thank you, Jesus, because I was praying for God to water cow country, and He did it. Amen. All right, let's do this. Let's search the world. It couldn't fill me Man's empty praise treasures of fade Are never enough Amen Oh, but you came along And put me back together And every desire Is now satisfied Here in your love amen let's sing it oh there's nothing better than you there's nothing better than you lord there's nothing nothing is better than you sing that to him again come on oh there's nothing better than you there's nothing 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 is better than you Amen now, I'm not afraid cause you know my weakness yes you do my failures and flaws Lord you see them all and still call me friend Amen but the God of the mountain is the God of the valley and there's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again come on oh there's nothing better than you there's nothing nothing is better To dancing you give beauty for ashes you turn shame into glory you're the only one who cares you turn graves into gardens you turn bones into armies you turn seas into highways you're the only one who can. let sing that again. Come on. You turn mourning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. You turn graves into guidance. You turn bones into armies turn seas into highways, you're the only one Sing that first verse again. I'm reminded back before I, I surrendered my life to Jesus. I tried everything people told me would give me life, would give me peace, and it was just emptiness. Let's sing it. Well, I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty grace and treasures of faith are never enough. No, they're not. Oh, but you came along, yes you did, God, and put me back together. Now every desire is now satisfied here in Your love. Lifted up. Oh there's nothing Better than you There's nothing Better than you Lord there's nothing Nothing is better than you One more time Sing it to him. Come on Oh there's nothing Better than you There's nothing Better than you Lord there's nothing nothing is better than you. Amen. That is so true. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. He is good. He is good. Well, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And I wonder how he Could love me, a sinner condemned? Now, Amen. Singing, how marvelous! What's uh...
1: It's a it's an exciting day today. We're celebrating the graduates at Rimrock Church. So we have graduates who have accomplished their degree in high school and college. And so if that's one of you, we are proud of you at Rimrock Church. And we're proud of the families for supporting those students through those school years. So uh, a message from the church to the graduates. As you go through such a, a major accomplishment, it's acknowledging where God has led you and how he's led you through difficult times and remembering that as you go forward from this phase of your life, God is with you and the church is behind you. And so if anything ever comes up, reaching back to the church if you're not here is an appropriate thing to do and it's welcome. So just keep that in mind as you go on with your journey. This morning we are celebrating our partnership with India Evangelical Team. And so you've heard me talk about this if you've been here for a while, but on the chance that you haven't been here, we don't want you to wonder what's happening Five years ago, our church made a major commitment to support a mission in India to a remote area of India in what they refer to as the unreached area of India. We don't specifically talk about that area by name because of security reasons. And so you've, you've seen over the last few years what's been going on. We, we support 30 pastors who are planting churches and today we have a real special treat. Um, AB has put together a video for you, an update for the church. We're not going to show it during announcements right now because we're live streaming and we don't want it to be on the internet. But at the end of service, we're going to show you this video. And I think you'll be amazed at the message you're going to hear. In in support of that partnership, the church made an agreement that we would support them for five years. And so we're just coming up on the last six months of that, which is hard to believe that it's been five years. It's been six or seven since Steve went over there and brought that message and that excitement back to Rimrock. In that time, we've developed a great friendship with the administrators and the people that connect us to those pastors it's not just a partnership where we send them money. It's actually a fellowship partner partnership, and it's been very good for us. It's been fantastic for them as they report. Today we're going to have hot dogs and hamburgers after service, and we're going to have a, an offering basket down there. Our commitment to finish this out for the next six months for the five-year commitment is about 30000 So just as God places it on your heart, if you're so moved, uh, please join us in supporting that mission. The last piece of it is is that they've wanted us to come there for two years, but because of COVID, we've been interrupted a couple of times. We are planning to go, uh, Mike Hayes and Ben and I are planning to go in October. So if you could remember to be praying for our path as we embark on that journey, we'll be there for about 12 days. And... In that time, we are hoping that God will reveal what he wants us to do here at Rimrock as far as the next five years, whether we're going to make another commitment or we're going to do something different. And we've been pressing IET to tell us, what do you need? And they've been pressing back on us. We need you to come and see what God has done. And then we want to see what God is going to lead us to do. So please join me in a prayer. Um, and remember that after service, we're going to show that video, and then what we're going to do is have a fundraiser and a, and a meal. Heavenly Father, just thank you again for this church. I thank you for allowing us to come together in the name of Jesus and to be able to pray and praise and fellowship together. Thank you that the ease at which we can do this is so comfortable, and at the same time, God, for what's happening in India and other parts of the world. We just ask for resolve and strength for your believers and our church followers. Lord, just bless this time. Bless Nick as he comes up. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Yeah, give him a minute to get his bass back on there. Yeah, that would be a good idea. All right, so in light of the fact that we're doing the fundraiser for uh, IET, the India thing, we're going to do this song, which I think ties in pretty good. Two, three, four. Hand clapping is allowed and encouraged. Well, it's a song of the redeemed, rise right from the African plain It's a song of the forgiven, drowning out the Amazon rain. And a song of Asian believers, filled with God's holy fire. It's every tribe, every tongue, every nation. A love song born of a grateful choir Come on It's all God's children singing glory, glory Hallelujah He reigns, he reigns It's all God's children singing glory, glory Hallelujah He reigns, he reigns oh, Let it rise above the foreheads Caught up in the heavenly sound that praises echo from the towers of cathedrals, to the faithful gathered underground. Of all the songs sung from the dawn of creation, some would make to persist. Of all the bells on from the thousand steeples, none rings truer than this. Amen. It's all your children singing Lord, glory, glory. Hallelujah, He reigns, He reigns. It's all got children singing glory, glory. Hallelujah, He reigns, He reigns. It's all got children singing glory, glory. Hallelujah, He reigns, He reigns. It's all got children singing glory. Can't drown out a single word Amen Sing that again Come on And all the powers of darkness Tremble at what they just heard Cause all the powers of darkness Can't drown out a single word No again. We all got children Sing out glory, glory, hallelujah When all got children sing, out glory, glory, hallelujah, He reigns, He reigns. It's all God's children singing, glory, glory, hallelujah, He reigns, He reigns. It's all got children sing. Peace within your presence, I speak, Jesus. Amen. speak the holy name, Jesus. Let's sing that again, come on. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness, so very of Jesus, over every heart and every mind, because I know there is peace within your presence, I speak Jesus, amen, amen, give God a hand, we speak your name, Jesus, to the heavens and to this earth, God, thank you so much. For what you did for us, Lord, Help us to never forget that. And as Nick comes up, God, we are just trusting you to break through in each of our hearts to knock down some wall that is keeping us from really experiencing you, God. We're trusting you for that. We pray in Jesus name. Amen.
2: Amen. Well this morning we're going to spend time in Mark chapter five starting in verse 21 through the end of the chapter. So it's the the second half of Mark chapter 5. It's a phenomenal story. Um, I think there's some lots of lessons to learn and some real beauty to see here. So I'm going to read this to me if you guys want to follow along in your your Bibles. It says this, and when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great And who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but was getting worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about, the crowd and said who touched my garment and his disciples said to him you see this crowd pressing in on you yet you say who touched my garment and he looked around to see who had done it but the woman knowing what had happened came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth and he said to her daughter your faith has made you well go in peace and be healed of your disease while he was still speaking there came from the rulers house Some who said, your daughter is dead, why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Taletha Kumuni, which means, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them, that no one should know of this and he told them to give her something to eat. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, just these stories of how you heal, these stories of your power, these stories of people seeking you. And we come seeking you today uh, with our own story. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you might reveal yourself in glorious ways as you long to do. We ask that you would open our eyes to see your majesty to see that you are the answer, to see our deep need for you. Amen. Fascinating stories, all kinds of things that are taking place in here, and I first want to talk about the differences between these characters, this bleeding woman and Jarius, the synagogue leader. The first thing that stuck out to me was you have this woman who has been bleeding for 12 years, and so in this time... According to Old Testament law in Leviticus 15 gives these uh, rules for what a woman is to do or what a woman is not to do if she is bleeding. And it says this, all of the days of her discharge she shall be unclean. Everything she lies on, everything she sits on, anyone who touches her, all of this will be declared unclean. And when she is done bleeding, she still has to wait for seven days, and on the eighth day, give atonement and sacrifice before the Lord. So you have a woman who is completely outcast from all of the religious activity of the day, which was a huge epicenter of her culture. So you have a woman who was constantly, for 12 years, considered unclean, lonely, people could not interact very intimately with her, or that they would be unclean for a period of time. And then you have Jairus, who is the leader of the synagogue, a man who I'm sure has great reputation, a man who is in charge of the religious activity of the day, a man who is probably not just respected, but looked to as a, a holy man, a man of God, who is influential. So you have this high caste in society, and you have this very low caste in society. And I'm not sure what, you, what your role is in society. I'm sure some of you have great influence. And I'm sure some of you feel like you are too dirty to possibly even be comfortable in church. To always feel considered on the outside of all that is good. So we, we peek into th- things and think, I wish I had that. I'm not sure who you relate to more, but there's a beauty in this story, and we saw it a couple chapters earlier, when Jesus is ushering in this reality that anyone who puts faith in him, anyone who seeks him, anyone who surrenders to his lordship has access to God Almighty. Remember in Mark 3:35, 35, he's, when um, his disciples come to him and he's preaching in a house they say, your your mother and your brothers, they're outside. And he says, who are my mother and who is my brothers? He says, whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. See, Jesus is ushering in this reality that he can invite and he has access to the Father to invite anyone clean, considered clean, unclean, to God the Father. How about their similarities? So we have some great differences that are obvious that anyone at this time could see. But what about the similarities? Desperate and needy. The woman is utterly desperate. She has emptied every resource she has to try to be well, to try to be ushered back into acceptable, to try to get back in good graces with society, and probably with God Himself, and nothing has worked. Spent all of her money, sought all kinds of doctors, and none of her resources, none of her solutions have brought her any relief. Jairus is to the point where it's not directly upon him, but with all that he has going for him, he comes to the understanding that, just like everyone on earth, The fall and sin and death has struck him closely that his 12-year-old little girl is at the point of death and he can do nothing about it. No resource that he has, no influence, no position, no title, no good graces that he has can do anything against the death taking over his 12-year-old daughter. Desperate and needy. At some point, I think we all realize that we're outmatched. At some point in your life, you come to understand that you can't control everything. At some point, you come to understand that you don't have enough for what the world brings to you, don't you? Some of us have come to that point over and over and over again, desperate and needy. At some point, we realize our fig leaves don't cover enough. Your works, your talents, your successes, they aren't enough. You continue to feel trapped. You continue to feel tormented. You continue to feel fearful or enslaved or anxious or despairing. And you've tried everything you can to bring relief, to bring healing, to bring freedom, to belong. And at some point, we realize that we need someone to do something for us. Israel had this similar theme in Romans 9 32 they were trying to achieve righteousness they were trying to be made right which I think somewhere is at all of our hearts to be right with who we are but it says this Israel did not achieve righteousness because they did not pursue it by faith but as if it were based on works still reaching deep into their own resources to try to come up with their value, their identity, their healing, their freedom, and their peace. Romans 10, right after this, Paul says, I, Paul, my heart is desire is for them to be saved. Listen to this. They have a zeal for God, but it is not according to knowledge or truth. For being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God, they seek to establish their own. So, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So, you have a group of people whose hearts, motives, they are passionate. It says they have a zeal for God. They want to be right, they want to do right. But what they missed is they continued to rely on themselves, they continued to rely on what they could bring to the table. And because of that, they knew nothing of the grace of God. So it is the same answer and the same story that we get right by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. That we receive healing by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. So we can move from desperate to thankful. The bleeding woman went from desperate, healed and thankful. Jairus went from desperate to his daughter being raised from the dead, to heal them thankful." As we look through the characters of Mark 5, but even as we look back into the, the demon-possessed man, the paralytic with his friends, these two characters in our story, there's a common theme here. The demon-possessed man runs to Jesus. The paralytic's friend bring him to Jesus. The woman seeks out Jesus amongst the crowd. Jairus comes to Jesus. Every one of them, regardless of the difference of their state, they're all desperate, and they all come to Jesus. And here's the next thing they all do. The demon-possessed man fell down before him. The paralytic was lowered by his friends at the feet of Jesus. Jairus came and fell at his feet. The woman, once she was found out, fell down before him. See the similarities? You see the theme of this message, the theme of Mark, which I think is all through the Bible and exactly relatable to you and me today? That each one of these people who were desperate sought out Jesus and fell before him. And that brought freedom, that brought deliverance, that brought salvation. Am I desperate enough to push through the crowds to get to Jesus? Are you desperate enough to risk your reputation to get near him? What's keeping you from coming to him? What's keeping me? Why do I hesitate? Again, maybe you're the woman who has always felt unworthy. Congratulations, come to Jesus and be made worthy. Maybe you're one who has constantly rode your own reputation and your own talents and your own skill set. So not a lot of need for a savior. Like Jarius, I hope you get to a point where you feel utterly outmatched. I hope you get to a point where you have the humility to recognize all that you bring to the table, as good as it might be, is not enough for a holy God. John 3.17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but in order that he might save it through Christ. So I'm glad if you feel unworthy. I'm glad if you know you're unclean. But the message God has for you is, I didn't come to condemn that. I came to free you from that. John 13.19 says, because I, Jesus, live, you also will live what an incredible picture we get a tangible picture we get of a 12 year old little girl whose life was gone and Jesus speaks into her and her life is resurrected that's my story spiritually I hope that's your story spiritually it took me understanding that I was bankrupt and dead and faith in Jesus brings you to life what's keeping you from seeking God is it love of the world? Is it the distra- distraction or the pursuit of worldly things or success? 1 John 2, 15, 17 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. For anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eye, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Same book, Jesus says, the world hates you, the world hates me, and the world hates the Father. Doesn't sound like an awesome place to get life. There's an enemy who wants to rob, steal, and destroy. And Jesus himself uses the word, it hates you. It is about your destruction. It is anti-God. And yet so many times, packaged in the right way, looks so shiny, that we continue to go to it, its resources, for our healing. Jesus says in, I'm sorry, John, in 1 John 3.8, he says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So, so far we get the motive of God's heart, utilizing his Son Jesus to not condemn the world but to save it, to destroy that which seeks to destroy you and I. Some of you may be thinking, I'm not necessarily striving for success. I'm not trying to conquer the world. I'm just trying to keep my head above water. I'm just trying to hold back my depression. I'm just trying to get through disappointment. Time and time again, cards seem stacked against me. So no, I'm not necessarily striving for glory. I'm looking for a savior. I'm looking for salvation. You belong in Mark 5, right? Desperate, empty of any other hope. John 16, 23 says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So how is this applied if you understand that Christ is your only hope? You understand that Christ is your only deliverer and your only healer. You understand that the resurrection of Jesus has brought you from death to life. You're a Christian. Colossians 2, 6, and 7, I think, is very helpful. It says this Therefore, as you received Christ, so walk in him. As you received Christ, so walk in him. Rooted and built up and established in faith, abounding in loving kindness. In my Bible above this, I was thinking, how did I receive Christ? Just like the the bleeding woman, desperate. Just like Jairus, desperate. Do I understand that as I received him desperately, I'm to walk in him, fully understanding I am utterly desperate for him in my life every single day, abounding in thanksgiving. Think about the posture this woman had. Think about the attitude this woman had before her healing. And imagine what took place in her attitude after. Twelve years. Some of you have had some trials that have lasted that long. And in a moment, she's healed. Abounding in thankfulness. Desperate and thankful. Not only that. But Philippians 1.6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began the good work in you, he who brought you from death to life, he who stopped your bleeding, he who healed you, he will bring it to completion of the day of Jesus Christ. That as we're desperate and as we're thankful, we can continue to walk with that exact same attitude, that exact same posture, and it says we are rooted and built up. Now something really interesting as I was looking through and just observing the text and maybe you noticed it as well, there's some peculiar things in here. And one of them is the uniqueness of this woman's healing. Most of the time when we have record of Jesus' healing, someone comes to him or he goes to them and he makes this conscious choice that says your faith has healed you. Rise and walk. Be gone, demonic. Cast out. Calms the sea. He makes this conscious choice execution of his power and the world responds. But this is different. She sneaks up on him, touches him and power is released from him. And I'm not entirely sure what's going on here but I have, I have a thought. When Christ was on earth it says he, be, he continued to be fully God but he was fully man. And so as a man he emptied himself not of who he was in divinity, but he didn't exercise the same kind of power. And you say, well, all of Mark, he's, he's exercising power. But if you remember what, what Christ said while he was on earth, he says, I don't do anything that the Father doesn't do through me. I don't say anything that the Father doesn't say. In Acts 2, 22, it says this, Jesus, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him. So it's almost as if while Christ was walking the earth, he would look up to the Father and the Holy Spirit and they would say, go for it. And then he'd execute power. He'd look up to the Father and the Holy Spirit and they would give him words and then he'd declare words. And all of a sudden we get something that seems a little different that power is expressed through him when this woman comes near him. And he says, what just happened? And I'm wondering if this, like so much of his message, was Christ came to give us access to God Almighty. That Christ came to tear down any barrier that stood between me and my Creator, and says, you will have direct access. And so could this execution of power be where the Father and the Spirit released the power, still through Jesus, but there is this space that hasn't happened much before that's recorded, that this woman was touched specifically and directly by the Godhead. John 14, 6 and 7 says this, I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. You have known me. If you have known me, you know the Father. I will send a helper. The Holy Spirit, he will be in you. I, Jesus, am leaving, but the Spirit is coming. John 16, 23 says this, and this is the part that stuck out for me with our story. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf for the Father himself loves you." Understand what's going on here? That Jesus is saying, I'm not gonna just give you a way to live or principles to live by. I'm going to usher you to the throne of the living God where you have an opportunity to know and be known by majesty, by divinity, by creator, by God. This is so much more than just the teachings of Jesus. This is our picture, and hopefully what we declare is true Christianity, that we can have a personal, intimate relationship with God, like his son had. This is so much more than simply a moralist who has adopted the Christian way, who has said, I guess I align with most of the teachings of Jesus. Paul, not so much, but Jesus, pretty good guy, kind of like his teaching. So I'll align with that. I guess those teachings are acceptable to me. Who's God in that equation? The teachings of God are acceptable to me. I'll decide what I align with and what I decide to live by. Ladies and gentlemen, we can be moralists all the way to hell. You can have a a decent approach to kindness or a decent approach to teaching or philosophy. Well, the Bible says that we can die condemned in our sin. This is more than just prescribing to some Christian virtues and some Christian values. Desperate and needy surrendered falling down before Jesus because that is the only way that we get made right with God I do not want to be like the Israelites what a sad story at least in Romans 9 and 10 that people have a zeal and a passion to be right but yet they have never submitted they've never surrendered to the grace of God submission and surrender can be scary And at first, it might not feel like you're submitting and surrendering to perfect love. But when we come to understand God is who he says he is, surrender to perfect love is the best place to be. Like a dead little girl coming to life. Here's the difference. Imagine living in a land where the king gives decrees, and you understand most of the decrees and most of them you like. They help society, but you've never met the king. Maybe you respect him, but you don't know him. Think of the difference between that land compared to a land where you know the king, where the king has brought you into his home, the king has adopted you as a son or a daughter. The king laughs with you. The king dines with you. You have inside jokes with the king. The king brings you into his bedchamber. Jesus is saying you can know God as deeply as you want to. Now, I don't know if we can understand God as deeply as we want to, but I'm pretty convinced that we have the opportunity to know God as deep as a man or a woman wants to know him. That Christ has made him approachable, and he comes to us and says, Those who seek me with all of their heart, they will find me. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, so walk in Him. Do you know desperate every day? Do I come before Him thankful every day? Because that's my challenge for you and for me, is to recognize and understand every single day my heart posture is coming to Him desperate, coming to Him surrendered and submission. And understanding that each and every day I experience the joy of my salvation, I experience healing, that I might live a full life because of the grace of God. We're going to close today with communion. I think what a perfect example. Today is uh, Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit fell upon the believers and inhabited them and indwelt them. And in my mind, I think that's a lot of what communion is symbolizing, is that this is something that we do daily, is eat and drink. And Jesus gives us this picture, the scriptures give us this example and this exercise that we get to come and understand and recognize that we daily need God in us. That when you take this food into you, when you drink into you, it becomes a part of you. It's the fuel to live by. It's very much the design of the Spirit of God coming in and the fuel to live by. We're, I'm going to pray for us. The worship team's going to sing a song, and if the elders could help pass out the elements. Father God, we thank you so much for your perfect and beautiful plan, your desire and your heart to be known by your people. And Jesus, we praise you for your sacrifice. We praise you for the stories of your healing and your resurrection over and over in Scripture. And we want that to be our story. So I pray that you would tear down any barriers in people's lives, that they might come to you, many maybe for the first time, that they might realize to fall at the feet of Jesus is to be healed, is to be made right, is to have hope. And let today... And even taking communion, be such a reminder that Christ's body was broken and His blood was spilled, so that we might know God and know Him fully.
0: Amen. Oh Lord, I come. I confess. Bowing here, I find. Without you, i fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. righteousness oh God how I need mean. where sin runs deep your grace is where grace is found oh god how I you
2: already taken the elements, that's totally okay. If you haven't, Jesus says, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. And this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant that you might know God. Take and drink. Amen.
0: Sing that chorus, I'm desperate for you as a prayer. And then we'll see the video. And I,
1: I'm desperate
0: for.